how do you think about the purpose of life? We increasingly live in a culture where people are unaware of the Christian message. So people sort of make up their own sets of beliefs. In 2005, a few sociologists decided to study what people believe the purpose of life is and what they believe about God. And they found remarkable similarities across most people in this country. It turns out most Americans think the purpose of life is to be happy. Most of us think that God exists to make us feel good about ourselves. But when you read the Bible, this doesn't seem to be the message we get. You may remember early in the book of Acts, Paul had an encounter with the risen Christ and it sent his whole life off in a new direction. Paul was eventually joined by Silas and they set out on a great journey and amidst this journey, Paul had a vision that he was called to go to Macedonia. He traveled over to Macedonia to modern-day Greece and eventually arrived at the urban center of this region, the city of Philippi. That's where our passage in Acts takes place today. Immediately after coming into the city, Paul and his companion Silas meet this slave woman. She's, she has a spirit within her. Today we might even say she was mentally ill. This woman, um, because of her strangeness, her owners market her as someone who has the ability to predict the future, almost a sort of fortune teller or palm reader. But she follows Paul and Silas around day after day shouting about how they are following God, how they are doing God's will. Eventually, in the words of the, the Bible, this starts to annoy Paul. So Paul commands this spirit out of this woman. Paul didn't command the spirit out of the woman because he felt compassion for her or love for her, but because he saw it as a solution to his problem of annoyance. He had important work to do, and she was just bugging him. <laughs> Paul thought life should revolve around him. Paul had bought in to this message that the most important thing is that we be happy. God should exist to make us feel good about ourselves. But if you look through the scope of the Bible, it is filled with stories of people who were not necessarily happy all the time, but who were deeply faithful to God. Think, for example, about John the Baptist. He wore itchy clothes, he ate bugs, and he was eventually beheaded. Not a particularly happy story. But through the ministry of John the Baptist, people prepared to meet Jesus. Or think about Mary, how she must have been terrified when this angel appeared to her and told her she, that she would bear Jesus. 
or the pain she must have felt, the agony at the foot of the cross as she watched her son Jesus die. And yet it was through her that God incarnate came into the world. Or think about Stephen, who preached one of the most beautiful sermons recorded in the New Testament, and upon its completion, he was promptly stoned. Paul had forgotten that we are called not to focus on our own happiness, but on serving others. In this city in Philippi, after he had cast this spirit out of this woman, her owners were infuriated. They had been marketing her as someone who could predict the future, and she could no longer do that. They had lost their income, so they riled up the crowds. The crowds, in turn, beat up and flogged Paul and Barnabas, and they had, and they had them thrown into prison. Have you ever noticed how we are inclined when things are going well to praise God, to thank God? But the moment things seem to go poorly, we change our tune. We begin to say, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you bring me here? Why did you allow this to happen? Paul and Silas, remember, had been called by a vision to go to Macedonia, and that led them right to this prison. Paul and Silas were in prison, in part at least, because God led them there. When we end up facing disappointments, we may say, God, why are you doing this to me? I'm not immune from this sort of thinking. After I'd been the rector of St. Luke's for a couple years, it seemed like everything was going well for our church. I was over the moon. It seemed like we were doing good things for our community. And then one Sunday evening, I got a call that a tornado had struck our campus. It had destroyed many of our buildings and damaged others. And I remember going to bed that evening, thinking, maybe even praying, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? God, why did you allow this tornado? God, I had such good plans. A tornado had passed through a major residential community in North Dallas, and miraculously, no one was killed, and yet I made my prayers all about me. Paul and Silas found themselves in this prison, but they didn't complain to God. It seems like they had a shift in their understanding. Instead, they remembered that God is not here to make us happy. They remembered that, that the vibrancy of our faith shouldn't reflect the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And from this prison cell, they began to pray. They began to worship. They began to sing hymns. And suddenly, in the midst of their singing, an earthquake came 
and cast open the doors to their cells and cast the shackles off their wrists? I want you to imagine for a second what you would do if you were in that position. You're locked up in a jail cell. You're praying for release. You're singing for release. And then suddenly through an act of God, your shackles fall off and the doors are open. I'd say, I'm out of here. I'd say, God, you do answer prayers. But Paul and Silas instead remain in their cells. Why? They felt called to be there. They believed God still had work for them to do, even in a jail cell. So they waited. And soon the jailer awoke, and he saw that all the doors to the cells had been thrown open. If his prisoners had escaped, which he assumed they had, he would have been put to death. So he decided to take his own life. And Paul shouted out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. This jailer had probably helped beat and flog Paul and Silas just hours before. This jailer had locked them in prison, but Paul understood that his call was to show love. We often forget this fundamental call that we all have. Do you ever wonder what, what Jesus prayed for in his ministry? What his prayers were like? In the gospel reading today, we're told exactly who Jesus prayed for and what he prayed for. Jesus prayed, we're told, for all who would come after him. Jesus, in short, prayed for you. Jesus prayed for me. And he prayed that we would be one, that we wouldn't focus on God making us happy all the time, but that we would focus on serving others, that we would focus on those around us, on our neighbors, those who are different from us, across our differences and despite our differences. And Paul seems to have remembered that message in this prison cell. He remembered that he was called to be one, prisoner and jailer, black or white, rich or poor, Republican or Democrat, called to have compassion for those around us. So Paul baptized this jailer. He baptized this jailer's family. He told them about God's love. And this family committed themselves to live in God's grace and share God's love with all those around them. So I have a question for us today in this city and in this place. Where do we see suffering around the world? Maybe we think of the Ukraine, where refugees are fleeing in countless numbers. 
Maybe this week we see suffering as we think about this shooting in Texas where a deranged teenager killed elementary school-aged children. Maybe we think about our own church or maybe even our own city or diocese where people may feel unloved and unwelcome. And what's our response when we see suffering? Because our first inclination may be to say, God, make me happy. God, help me bury my head in the sand. But what our faith calls us to do is instead to pray that God helps us see the work we are called to do, the mission that we are given, to remember that we are all one, to take what could have been despair and turn it into determination, to take what could have been pain and turn it into progress and move forward as we work together to demonstrate God's love, to serve our neighbor, to build up the kingdom of justice, and to build up the kingdom of God. After all, we are called to be one, and we are called to serve others. Amen.